Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's See what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. How is life in the Catskills evening? Oh, it was one of those perfect days here in the Catskills. The sun was shining, 
and it was warm, and then the clouds would get gray, and the little raindrops would fall to help the mushrooms along the way, and then the sun would come out, and the sky would be blue with little fluffy white clouds, and then there'd be more gray clouds and little rum-de-rum-rum thunder. Oh, yes, and my wonderful friend Candace is here, and we've been going on walks and talking, and... This past weekend, at classes, classes on psychoactive plants and classes on magical plants, we picked salad from the little crescent garden that I have created here at Pearls, right? To give myself something to do, last year, I said... Look here at the edge of this curving wall on the top of this edge of curving retaining wall. Right, the driveway slopes down. There's a retaining wall on the edge of this curve. Will you helpers please bring compost and put compost here? And I put, what, about 28, 30 inches out of compost in this crescent. And scattered seeds there and let grow what will grow. And I went there with class this weekend, and we picked salad. And that was so exciting to me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and Lisa said, Lisa said, you know, we picked seven different salad plants there. She said, and you didn't even talk about half the plants that are growing there. Wow, so easy to fund in because I know the space you're talking about, and it's not a huge space, like you said. It's just a space that's easily workable, and it's so close to the house. Right. And, of course, my secret ingredient is my compost. Mm-hmm. Not really much of a secret, is it? And what did we start off by doing? We started off by covering the grass. I didn't put down cloth or newspaper or anything. I just put six inches of compost on the grass. Oh, now, does that mean the grass wow. grows up? Sure it does. But also one of the reasons that this garden survived the drought so well is that I do pretty much full coverage gardening. It's very, very rare that you see even so much as an inch of bare soil there. Mm. And, of course, the grass, the lawn, was more plantain than grass, truthfully, which is actually easier in the garden, right, because it really acts as a ground cover, doesn't it? The grass, like, kind of sticks up, and it doesn't really cover the ground, but the plantain sends those leaves out in that rosette, and they're, like, flat to the ground, Right. So they really hold the soil moisture in. So any place that I haven't decided, you know, oh, I like what's growing there, right, or I want to plant something there, um, I just let the plantain and the knotweed and whatever else is growing grow to hold the community of plants together there. Wow, I so hear you. That's exactly who holds the community behind our barn and beside it. And for some reason, the goats don't eat the knotweed. Really, or no, the they don't seem to like it. it. No, so it definitely holds. I mean, yeah, yeah, 
yep. our pasture right up next to the barn is almost all not weed and plantain. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And woodchucks don't eat it either. Mm, nice. We don't have those, right? but I know you've been one. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a nice word to say about woodchucks. <laughs> uh, I was showing somebody today, I was saying, do you see all the mallow plants that are growing here? She's like, what? What? I said, look closer, closer. Look out there. See all those mallow leaves now? Notice where the woodchucks have gnawed off all of the parts that have tried to get taller than four inches tall. Wow. Oh, they're busy. (laughs) One of the hollyhocks has teamed up with a catnip, and they are literally growing arm in arm, wrapping themselves around each other, and I have great hopes for this hollyhock, (laughs) because the woodchucks don't like the catnip at all. (laughs) There's this odd, really odd, really big leaf plant that started growing in the garden. I mean, it's really like, I looked at that and I'm like, are you okay? Really? Are you okay? I don't know about you. Because it's so dark green. It's like darker green than kale. It's darker green than spinach. This is like the darkest, greenest dark leaf I have seen maybe in forever. It is so green and it's so big. And one of the students here this weekend had an app. So she photographed she photographed the leaf and her phone went that is Chinese motherwort Leonorus da 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 one of the foundational herbs in Chinese medicine for thousands of years. I'm like how is this growing in my garden? Yeah, how? That's what I'm thinking. How the heck did you arrive there? Where did this come from? What? Well, now remember, I started that garden by throwing down every seed that I had, right? A 30-year collection of seeds, right? Some of which I knew were, like, totally pointless, like squash seeds weren't going to grow out there. But I just threw them all down. I figured the ones that wouldn't grow would compost. So I think every year I'm going to be getting surprises of things that have decided to grow, and I'm... Um, I, um, how do I say this? At this time of the year, I put seeds in my pockets. And then I come home and I throw them around, especially if there's seeds of things that I want to grow around me. And so what I say, but I threw down 30 years worth of seeds. There were a lot of seeds. (laughs) Goodness only knows what I have collected. And where it all came from. So, what an adventure. Mm-hmm. Charmed what's been, what's been up year. with you? Oh, well, of course you're talking about seeds. I was um, spreading seeds today as well. I had ordered some seeds from um, medicinal seeds and um, strictly medicinal. But then I, you know, it was just like a hay prairie grass mix that I was replenishing behind the chicken coop. And uh-huh, I was uh-huh. looking for what all was in there, and I thought, yeah, you know what? Most of this is already around, so I'm going to amend this and then uh-huh. amend it a little more. Some other seeds that are growing that aren't in the mix. So, yeah, I was also spreading seeds around today. Oh, out. <laughs> what did you amend it with? So Queen Anne's lace. Oh, um, yes. 
Yep. Um, I have, I think I've mentioned it before here that it's like the spice garden or the herb garden that was in the raised bed is like almost all oregano. So there was so much oregano seed to put, which I think the chickens will really enjoy. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah, just grass seeds that like were growing around in the prairie area. So. <laughs> well, last week I was supposed to announce that there was a sale on my books, but that was last week and I didn't. Uh-oh, too bad. Uh, however, there is a sale on Juliet's books this week. You buy two of Juliet's books, get one of lesser or equal value for free, so if you're new to Juliet de Berkeley Levy, um, this is a good chance to get some books. And if you already know her and you want some of her uh, less well-known pieces, the uh, you know her publisher in England, Faber and Faber, kept control, of course, of um, the Herbal for Farm and Stable. Yeah, probably everyone's favorite book by her, and the Herbal for the Dog. If, Herbal for Farm and Stable isn't your favorite, then Herbal for the Dog is. And so those are the ones that they kept control of. But they did allow me to have the right to publish her other works, which includes Traveler's Joy, a wonderful kind of rant on traveling and the problems of traveling, Um, Spanish Mountain Life, in which she talks about being pregnant with her second child and getting typhus and how she dealt with that and the other difficulties of living a Spanish mountain life. Then we go with her with the two children and spend a summer in Galilee. And, wow, she, Juliet, of course, never recognizes boundaries. She goes off, you know, and spends time with the Arabs and come back, comes back into the, the, the Jewish uh, part, and it's really quite amazing the way she manages to uh, get together with people and to find out uh, what the problems with her animals are. And it's one of the reasons that she has such cachet and can go to so many places because she is an extraordinary veterinary, an extraordinary way with animals and understanding animals. So we shouldn't be surprised when in a gypsy in New York she takes her dogs with her to New York. Her prize-winning Afghan hounds are running around on the East Side Drive. Can you believe it? Oh, my gosh. And she's looking for gypsies in New York. So, of course, her um, very famous Nature's Children is part of the books that we publish. And for me, the, the real crown, the book, that turned me on to herbs and herbal medicine in a whole different way and was really the starting point for nourishing herbal infusions was common herbs for natural health by Juliet directly leaving special sale on all of her books and for those of you who've been thinking about taking a correspondence course I mean it's back to school right there is going to be a flash sale on correspondence courses so keep your eyes open and your ears peeled and I will be telling you when that's going to happen. It will be sometime around Halloween, I'll tell you that. So it'll be about a month from now. All right. Well, 
That's an awful lot. What a good job you did, Susan. Pat on the back here. Well, it hardly makes up for not doing it last week. How am I rabbit it up? Anyhow, who's going to be with us tonight? Let's see. Monica Hershist. Monica's healed thousands of people struggling with chronic mystery illness. She's a best-selling author, motivational speaker, holistic health practitioner, and has founded one of the top-rated wellness centers in L.A. Monica will be here at 9 o'clock East Coast time, so stick with us or come on back. Anything else you want to report from where you are, Sarah Allen? Um, I don't know. I mean, I could. I could I could report. This week has been, like, full of stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have any hands raised, so let, let's see. If we have, I'll, I'll let everyone know if you have a comment or question that you'd like to share with Susan this evening. Press 1, please, to raise your hand in the queue, and then um, we will, of course, open the line so that you can ask your question directly of Susan. And, again, that's press 1 if you have a question. I'm not seeing any hands go up, so if we don't have any hands, I'm happy to share. Go ahead, <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, well, I'll, I'll make a quick share. We're going to see how this goes because this is, like, kind of happening almost live. So, I, you know, I have dogs, I have cats, I have chickens, I have goats, um, or I tend them, and they, they share home with me. And um, so, anyway, last night I was doing feeding duty, which I don't usually do with the dogs. And I did not do it well in a way that was peaceful, apparently, because it ended up with the two girls, who I really want to call bitches, got into quite the altercation. And I was home alone, so I had to separate them by myself. Um, And they've kind of been at it a little bit with each other, but at any rate, after I got them separated with the help of the door, uh, the one, when I opened the door to release her body, which I was squeezing in it in order for her to release the other one, decided she was going to bite my leg. So I'm ultra grateful for, like, herbal medicine and feeling confident and resilient right now. So I've been taking a lot of echinacea all day, um, and I have been, like, tending my wound, which, you know, most people would probably have already gone and gotten stitches and a tetanus shot and all of that. But I am just leaving it open and letting it do its thing. It's looking clean, you know. It's still draining and weeping, and it was just Ah, just out of the blue. So just to everyone, you know, who's out there and already inspired to, like, go outside your door and make herbal medicine, you just never know when you're going to need it. And I was so grateful that I had my echinacea tincture. And, you know, I didn't feel like doing the, like, um, one dropper full for every 50 pounds every so often. So for me to make sure that I just was doing it, I just poured off the tincture into its own bottle, and whenever I felt like I needed a big sip, I took a big sip, and I've been doing that all day, um, and so far, so good. But anyway, that, I guess, is my most recent shareable moment. <laughs> OMG. Yeah, oh. yeah, it was a fun evening last night. Yellow. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's so wonderful to look at something like that and to know Madame Yarrow is going to help. That is the first thing I'm and put on it. And 
I had a limited amount because my husband had been using it a lot, a lot, a lot. So, but that is the exact first thing. And then I did your other piece of advice to boil water and pour it over what was in there after I poured off the tincture and really cleaned the wound well with the arrow. So, um, oh, that's that. excellent. You had that, that tincture tea. You poured yep. hot water on the mast from the tincture in the in the tincture jar because there's uh, if you're in a commercial situation you'd have a centrifuge to get out those last couple of ounces of the tincture but since we don't do that pouring boiling water over that and then using that as a dilute tincture especially as a wound wash wow that's brilliant that's exactly what I'm using it for as a wound wash and keeping the bandage just like nice and wet because I don't want it to close obviously I want it to just stay open and do whatever draining and weeping it needs to do but you know it was not for the, the sore stomach like I mean or the weak stomach like thank goodness the dog uh, she doesn't see well so I think she was just in such shock because I was really pulling the door hard on her because they weren't letting go of each other and um, when I opened it I think it was just like a reflex but she bit the first thing in front of her which fortunately was my thigh which probably has other than my butt the most fat on my body but like I it was not for the weak stomach because, oh, my God, that hole, oh, my goddess, had, I, I saw my own fat. I saw my own yellow fat. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't it? It's like I was, I was reading about the woman who operated on herself to take a lump out of her breast. She was up in the Arctic. <gasps> and, and I was remembering looking at Dr. Anna Lopes when I was starting mistletoe therapy and saying to her, I can't do this because I, you know, I'm afraid of needles. I'm a needle phobe. And you're telling me I have to inject myself in my belly every day with this mistletoe. I can't do this. And she looked at me and she said, okay, well, you know, the, the, the oncologist, they have needles. They'll put them in you. No problem. You won't have to do it. And I looked at her and I said, I have, I have to do this. And she said, okay, you have to do this. What you have to do is you have to stop personalizing it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. She said, you just, have to, you just have to treat it like it was anybody and deal with it. I'm like, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. It's so beautiful, Susan. What great advice. And I can understand why you were able to carry forth and do it. Because, yeah. It, it, well, it was it, that chemotherapy, so really there was no choice. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I've been, like, so blessed for the last 24 hours to know and to just be able to call on so many plant friends. Well, really, Echinacea and Yarrow. Um, and just my own, like, sense of this is going to be okay. This is okay. I understand what's happening, and I know what to look for if it's not going to be okay. And, you know, it's okay. So exactly. It's okay. It's not red. There's not a streak going up your leg. You're not running a fever. You're not showing signs no. of blood poisoning or massive infection. Nothing like that. You also eat a diet, drink nourishing herbal infusions, lead a lifestyle that makes you what I call infection-proof. Oh, 
Right. Not that you won't get sick, not that there won't be any little infection in the wound. There might very well be. But you're not going to, like, suddenly go septic and have your life threatened in a few hours. Oh, yes. Yes. Last night, I was what's going to happen when I wake up in the morning? How's this going to feel? I've prepared myself. I'm like, it's going to hurt really bad. It's probably going to feel like someone's stabbing me in the thigh. And how hot is it going to be? What's it going to feel like? And, you know, I have been really surprised. It is not, I mean, I don't think, it, it, it's deep and it's really ugly and, um, you know, not fun to look like, look at. It's like, you know, one of those things, like you said, you just uh, do it. And, um, but it is not, like you said, definitely no black line, which I've experienced um, the start of that before with a cat bite. Um, and, who cat bites are way more intense. But, um, yeah, no, it's hardly even inflamed or red. My leg is hardly sore, so I don't think it went deep into the muscle. Um, that's why I'm really grateful. She got me right on the front of my thigh. Um, but, yeah, so none of those signs, and I'm not running a fever. If anything, I would say, if you can't tell by my voice and my speed, I think the echinacea has got me a little bit pepped up. But I don't know. That could just be adrenaline from last night still, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> but at any rate, I'm feeling great, and I still went out and did my seed spreading today, took care of the goats, milked the goats this morning. It's all been, you know, it's been a beautiful opportunity to know that I can call myself and the plants and um, just, you know, even though it's really crazy to look at and be like, oh, my gosh, what is that leaking out of my body right now? Um, it's Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yes, it's okay because you're present with it. Right. Yes, definitely. And there's something about being a homesteader that's like living an outward bound course. Oh, love. Yes. You keep, you keep learning how much you can do. You keep learning how strong you are. You keep learning that things that seem like they slow other people down, although they slow you down a little bit, don't stop you. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's It's a really sweet gift. And you do it not because you're trying to show off at how strong you are, but because you have to milk the goats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You simply have to milk the goats. Not that you wouldn't rather lay around with your foot propped up, moaning, but you have to milk the goats. Yep. So you do it. I've always been very thankful for the one time that I was so sick with the flu and so feverish that I just really couldn't stand up and I had to crawl to the barn. Mm. Fortunately, it was in the winter, so the sharp rocks were covered with snow. But you, you do it 
because things have to be milked. You you don't have a choice. You don't say, I'll put that off until tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And something about that in there, like, just makes me know that I can, you know, as long as I do it. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's such a reciprocity, like a gift, like you said, to have that, to be there, to call me even though I may not be able to, like, call out myself in that moment alone. I have everything that's around me that is co-creating with me and, you know, depending on me to show up, and it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. For me, it's one of the main reasons why I chose a homesteading life Mm. was that... I want to be needed. Yeah, yeah. And be in real reciprocal relationships that went on year after year. They're very satisfying Mm. relationships. The relationships I have with the animals and the plants and the rocks. Right, to say, hey, look, I put some compost here. This is this is what we were able to do in a mm. year and a half. Right to make salads for all of these people. Okay, it's true. We did add a head of organic uh, romaine from the CSA, <laughs> but we got a lot from outside. Mm. It would have been more, except of course for the drought, which pretty much. Interestingly enough, told the garlic mustard, which was usually a big item in the salad at this point of the year. You know, we did not have a drought here this year, and the garlic mustard was so scarce. I will say that as well. My goodness. So perhaps I'm blaming the drought needlessly. (gasps) Thank you for telling (laughs) me that. (laughs) Yeah, I was was shocked because I was counting on it this year. I was waiting to make a vinegar, and there was, it was so, 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 so scarce. (laughs) Well, some of it seems to be coming up now around me. How about you? I have, no, I have not seen a bit so far coming up in the fall. As little as I'm on the sun right now. Goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I did. We were actually able to include a little in salad. I was very happy. For that, and chickweed, Stellaria media is coming back. Mm-hmm. Little star lady loves the cool. Still there? Yep, we're here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that somebody trying to uh, raise their hand? I don't know what that was, but I did hear you go away for a brief second, and we do have yeah. four hands raised. Um, boodle. Mm-hmm. You do have somebody? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, that's actually, what it was. During yeah. our chat there. Yeah, we'll go to number, the first one that is called with their hand raised, which is a Skype call, it looks like. All number one, um, you are live with Susan from the Skype number. Hello. Okay. Uh, I think this happened last <laughs> week, too, that the Skype person couldn't get through. Or didn't yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh. I, wrinkly, wrinkly yeah. brow. Yes, yes. Well, we'll yeah. come back to them 
In the meantime, we'll do 831 from the 831. You are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Good evening. How you doing? Good evening. What's up tonight? Not so much. Um, it looks like it's the evening to talk about dogs. Okay. Uh, I um, have a couple of Chihuahua Jack Russell mixes that I got from the pound about two months ago. Anyhow, due to their breed, they've been uh, escaping repeatedly. <laughs> and um, they, long story short, they ended up getting neutered. And when they were at the vet clinic, they got kennel cough, which, you know, my dogs have gotten that in the past. And I just wanted to let yourself and others know that we ended up curing it with echinacea and a little bit of usnea tincture. Hurrah! Yeah. Wow, so how did you get the dogs? And it's just, how'd you get the dogs to take the tinctures? They just put it in their food. They're a little yeah. hesitant, but you know, the three of them pressuring each other <laughs> helps them to <laughs> fork it down. Got it. Got it. And and then one dog might have hung back, but if there's three, you can't take a chance on it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it was exactly. really interesting. Um, they were just snarfing and snarfing and snarfing, and it really just, like, wiped it right out. Oh, yay. Yep. How, it's not the first time. How I, many I doses used did you have to before. use before it was gone? Probably just two days. Of twice a day? Like, so, like, two times a day. Yeah, we feed them in the, breakfast, in the morning and, and at night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so like, four doses so altogether? Cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we just did what the standard, you know, by weight. One dropper per 50 pounds, and so we just gave the little ones tiny, you know, like a fourth of a dropper full. And exactly, and like I was half say, these are really small dogs, yeah, they're teeny, they're only 14 pounds, right? But, but it was perfect because you know they were neutered at the same time, so it probably doubled, you know, as a just keeping their stitches all cleaned up and stuff, too. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely, how perfect, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, has, I just also has neutering them make them a little less likely to roam. It seems like it. I think also being in doggy jail. Yeah. That very much either. But yeah, it's also uh, prevented. It slowed down a little bit the the pee party. <sighs> Thank goodness. Because I've got all male dogs. Like I don't know what I was thinking, but I got all male dogs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. learned my lesson on that one. We need we need that bitch she's talking about. In our right. world, because someone needs to crack these boys into shape. They're just a bunch of ding dongs. <laughs> but anyhow, I, 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 it's pretty funny. So we've got the big ridgeback, we've got a ridgeback, and then two little dogs. And then the we had a female. She ended up getting hit by a car because she escaped from our our yard. All the time. Oh. But prior to that, she got into a big dog fight, which tore open part of her neck. And we we looked to see what um, Juliet of the herbs would do, and she said rosemary infusion. All right. And so we basically just let our one dog lick the neck. I mean, it wasn't like into the goo, into the fat too much. It was more like it just tore the neck skin, which is meant to tear. Right. And so we just kept dosing it, you know, pouring it in with uh, the rosemary infusion, just kept pouring it in and swishing it around in there, letting the other dog lick it. And it healed up so fast. It was really (laughs) amazing. Yay, Juliet. Yay, Juliet. Uh, (laughs) That's great. You know, I don't, there's a, a video Juliet of the herbs. Um, I don't think that that's part of the sale, but you might want to. 
if you're, you're all thinking mm. about Juliet, it's a wonderful video. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? I've seen the one that's on YouTube. It's about an hour long. Yeah, that's it. I don't Juliet know if it's a different one. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. Yeah. Just, Great pictures of her so swimming. Inspiring. Yes, mm-hmm. she is. Um, my father was a veterinarian uh, when I was growing up as a child, so it's especially profound for me because we washed out so many wounds with hydrogen peroxide and you know it just it the fact that she found it to be so cruel comforting to know because it there's parts of it that are yes so it's just nice to know that that some people actually feel that way um i just wanted to mention one other thing if that's all right uh, please about something totally separate um yeah so I, I was lucky enough to get you on the Zoom call a couple weeks ago um, with yes. Caitlin, myself, and you. And um, it was funny because, you know, how when you keep asking the same question, hoping to get a different answer? <laughs> but the answer is always the same. And uh, the question was, what's wrong with my how, – how come I struggle so much with self-esteem? And your answer was, it's a, self, it's a self-judgment, which reflects back out onto the world. And I just wanted to report back that the couple following days after that were kind of rough (laughs) because it just, you know, it was rough yet um, just correct. It was like some, I don't want to say detox or purge or anything like that, but it was just more like a realization. And, you know, nobody ever wants to think of themselves as judgmental. And uh, but embracing that, and even especially because it's about myself, uh, was was extremely helpful. So thank you. You're welcome, and thank you, because that takes yeah. that takes persistence, and it takes courage, and it takes a real willingness to care about yourself. For sure, and as a mother and in our culture, and it doesn't really, it's not something that's pushed on you. You know, if you do anything for yourself, they're like, well, what about the kids? You know, and this whole valuing and worth of women is is so um, unstable in our culture. It's just, uh, you got to grab it for yourself. And since I spoke to you last, I was able to sit in ceremony with a bunch of sisters, my 22-year-old daughter and a bunch of sisters of all ages, and it was extremely powerful and felt like just like one step closer to that. So I just want to say thank you because through you, I've gotten to, you know, connect with my wise women sisters here where I live in Santa Cruz and it's just been kind of amazing. So thank you. You are welcome. May we keep circling and spiraling together. Yes. Yes. And that's Green all. blessing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And uh, let's try the Skype number again. Uh, from the Skype or an international call, you are live with Susan. All right. Uh, we do have two other hands raised, so I'm not hearing anything on that line. Uh, that sounds like a voice, so we'll go to the 907. From the 907, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hi. <laughs> um, I have a topic. Uh, it 
it's a season of politics, as you know. And we have a very unusual woman running. Could you give me the definition of pharmacia, and then I will go into what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Siri, what's the definition of pharmacia? Uh, no, no. Hey, Siri, I want the definition, the, the definition of the word pharmacia. I found this on the web. The pharmacia in the Bible? Is that what That's you want to know? That's it, yes. <laughs> the Greek word pharmakia appears in Galatians and Revelation, typically translated into English as sorcery, witchcraft, or sorcerer. Ancient Greek uses of the word closely mirror modern English word drug. The same Greek root word produces pharmacy and pharmacist. Modern use of the word sorcery invokes images of spells, but biblical use of pharmakia does not fit with such ideas. Rather, it suggests drugs, as in addictive drugs or poisons. In modern English, we have separate terms to distinguish medicine, chemicals, and drugs. And in most contexts, a pharmacist is not a drug dealer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Even though, obviously, the pharmacist is a drug dealer. (laughs) Okay. All right, so a phrase like selling drugs, right, when we read it in the Bible, implies something now that it didn't imply then. The ancient Greeks used the word pharmakia to refer to the entire spectrum from medicine to psychoactive to poison. Thus, context is crucial when interpreting terms related to pharmakia in the Bible. That's probably too much information, but Okay. Do you know where do you know where I'm going with this? Now we have some background information to really hear you out. So is this is this something that's going on? Are people being like is this word being talked about or used a lot? Yeah. Well, this one this woman that's running, and this is what she said. She marijuana, said, marijuana, yeah. marijuana leads to witchcraft and demon possession. Well, hey, anybody who believes in demon possession, you know, we got to like say, I'm so sorry that you believe in a spiritual figure that is so abusive and sadistic. I am really, my heart goes out to you. My compassion goes out to you. But that's where you get your spiritual guidance. For me, the goddess, you know, what does she tell me? She says, all acts of pleasure and beauty are in honor of me. 
<laughs> oh, so, that's beautiful. So, I, so I'm going with the girl who says the way to be spiritual is not to hurt yourself, not to deprive yourself, not to hurt others or to judge others, but to say, is this beautiful? Is this loving? Is this fun? <laughs> if so, I'm having a spiritual experience. Or as my teacher says, you can't fake fun. That's right. There's a scary aspect of this, though, Susan. She was, she worked in D.C. in the postal, uh, with, with, what was her job, um, investigator or something like that. So she's the type that could stop women from ordering herbs for certain uh let's say birth control you know I, this is what i'm i'm nervous about that she her inf- if she came if she won the election that could stop a lot of things cuz it is a senator oh so let me be a- let me let me put this in context mm-hmm. this comment that she made about demon possession Mm-hmm. This was a public comment. This was a private comment. Oh, um, I believe it was. I didn't hear it. Someone heard, told, told me about it, this and then is, I looked it up. This is secondhand. Let's establish but it. I first of all, it, I, you didn't actually hear it yourself. Someone else told you. And but then I looked it up. Did they hear I it? Looked, did they hear it? Or you looked it up, and you were able to see her saying this. Uh, or read it, it was on her. It was on her website, yes. It's on her, she, it's written on her website. Yep, and she, uh, I, I, this this type of person is, is, I don't, I mean, she said, you can read it on her website. You, also, there's, um, I think, a YouTube where she says, uh, when I speak in tongues, God giggles with me or something like that. <laughs> and, um it's just, I just find this strange. Charismatic Christianity is by its nature strange. You know, I grew up in Texas with holy rollers and snake handlers and Baptists and, you know, those who spoke in tongues and rolled on the floor and all of that. Mm-hmm. It was strange. You're quite right. It was strange. But for each one of those sects or each one of those places, that was where they found what was really important to them. Mm-hmm. Right. It's important to them, but in I just don't think it belongs in politics and I mean, she hates the she hates marijuana. I mean, that's that that's a well known fact. What if they try to get rid of it? There's a lot of people that need that. There's a tide 
in the affairs of men, said Shakespeare. And the tide on cannabis is toward greater and greater legalization. No one person can buck the tide. As many one people found out when the tide was going the other way, right? Mm-hmm. When you could lose your house if you were found right. with, some, with some cannabis. Mm-hmm. So there is always going to be yin and yang. There is always going to be opposition. Mm-hmm. We don't live in a situation in which there's ever going to be a time when everyone agrees. Right. And community is not made of people who agree with each other. Community is made of people who don't agree with each other, but nonetheless can work together with fairness Mm -hmm. and care. So, you know that I think that the best revenge is to really um, send for yourself an image of this person really enjoying life. So that when mm. you think of them, instead of thinking, oh, girl, 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 this bad thing could happen, this person is bad, this bad, bad, which after all, it's just like, really, the only person who's having to like deal with that is you. Mm-hmm. And then instead, this person's name come up and you feel that like, eh, eh, eh. and instead you go, I send you a great high. I send you a wonderful smell of roses. I send you a moment in your day when you feel at peace, right? What do you want, really, what do you want her to feel? Do you want her to feel your bad vibes? And is that going to help her? No, no, no. So it's not going to help her. It's not going to help you. Mm-hmm. So cut it out. Yeah. You know, I needed to hear that from you because I'm so angry. It's okay. <laughs> you know, be angry. I'm all for angry women. Just don't, <laughs> just don't like, make a stinky place of your own mind because of it. All right? That's it. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Because we, what we really want for this woman is that she have some beauty and some joy and some pleasure and some love, right? Yes, yes. Right. And, and then we'll feel better. Nothing maybe will change anywhere else in the world, but we'll feel better. And I think that's important because if you feel better, then you can use that anger effectively. Right, right. You can use that anger to work at a well-paying job so you could donate to your favorite political person or cause or you can... Um, 
you know, focus your energy by volunteering, what, whatever. That anger is a precious resource when you can yeah, focus yeah. and use it. Yeah, you're right. I, I really need to hear that because I'm like the type that I just want to smash. Yes. I just want to smash things. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Existential anger. Oh, I can't believe that we have to live through this. It's really <laughs> awful. It's an awful kind of feeling because we also know that no matter what we smash, it won't make any difference. That's right. Right, it's, I mean, it's a real existential anger. It's like, oh, you know, I want to smash everything, but, like, who cares? <laughs> That's right. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Right? So, oh. so care. Care deeply. Yeah. Be, be, be angry about one thing. Be angry about one thing and devote yourself to it. Yeah. I appreciate this. This really helped me. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for bringing this up and sharing with us tonight. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye. All right. And we have two callers and the Skype caller, so maybe three, uh, that have their hand raised with a question. The 908 is the next one in the queue from the 908. You are live with Susan. Yes. Hi, Susan. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Carol. How are you tonight, love? You recognize me. Oh, wonderful, Susan. Yes. So mm, my question is, um, I'm uh, I'm, I'm 46. Are you as well, Susan? I'm sorry. What about 46? Are you born in 1946? Yes, I was born in 1946. So, yes, we're the same age, 76, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember your birthday. Um, so I'm doing a, a major um, downsizing and clearing and getting rid of old papers and cleaning out everything. And uh, this is in my condo. And then I have a small storage unit that I have to, uh, I don't even know what's in there, but it's, you know, obviously, I hold on to things for security that I don't even, but they are some of them, such as storage units. So I'm going through this, and I'm trying to nourish and support myself to um, lots of stress to release things. And I've been doing religiously the nourishing herbal infusion. And I was wondering if, and I'm trying to eat well, you know, all the good things that you recommend, cooking my greens a long time, getting good sleep, and taking, you know, some walks. But is there anything herbal that you would recommend to me to support myself? Um, It's going to be about three months. I, I mean, I've been doing it all of August. Any, uh, I would any yeah, adaptogen. I would, I'm sorry? Any adaptogen. Okay. Any, any. Okay. Any adapt, adaptogen. Now, the adaptogen that I am currently having a passionate affair with is Shisandra. Uh, you have yeah. heard me go on about the fact that Shisandra nourishes the three energies, chi, 
which is the life force energy, which is in our food, which is in the earth, which is in the air we breathe, right? The chi that is all around us that comes into us and goes out of us. It's not storable. And jing, which is sometimes called ancestral energy, which is a storage form of energy. But it takes a lot to create jing. In fact, that's why it's called ancestral energy, because apparently you're given some jing as a gift from your ancestors. And in situations where you can't actually get any chi, like when I was in the hospital, you live off your jing. You live off your jing. And it's difficult to replenish jing. And then there's a third energy, which we sometimes equate with resilience. It's it's thought of as the, as the spiritual energy or the soul energy, the ability, and we've been talking about it in a lot of different ways tonight. Mm. The ability to not take oneself quite so seriously. <laughs> You're just part of the flow here. Playing this for now, it's okay. It's all going to work out. You don't, as a, as our Tai Chi teacher says, this is not the audition. You've been accepted into the play. No. Right? No. No. <laughs> no. So I love Shisandra because it nourishes all three energies. Oh, and excellent. Really does, and of course, because I'm having such a, a wild affair with with Shisandra, and many people around me are taking Shisandra and are saying wonderful things about Shisandra as well. And it, you know, pretty easy to grow, so you have to wait for a while till you get your first berries. And I really love the taste. It's called Five Flavor Berry, and because it's called Five Flavor Berry, it is supposed to affect all five organ systems in the body. In fact, the only herb adaptogen or not supposedly that nourishes and tonifies all of the systems of the body okay so that's my vote for an adaptogen is Shisandra but perhaps some other adaptogen will come into your life Eleutherococcus sometimes called Siberian ginseng is one that a lot of people like because they feel like it gives them a lot of mm, real, really good energy what was the one before Siberian ginseng, you said? I gave you the botanical name, which we are okay. now supposed to call it, Eleutherococcus, because the ginseng people are very upset about thinking about something else being called ginseng that isn't ginseng. Okay. All right. So we're supposed, not supposed to call it Siberian ginseng, although all the older books, including my books, call it Siberian ginseng because that's what we called it. Not yeah. doing any better, shall we say, or not uh, being prevented from calling it that. Yeah. So, what dosage? Do so, as usual, you know, when when forced to change what we call an herb, uh, the herbalists of America have made what I consider the good choice. Instead of choosing another common name, we simply call it by the botanical name, Eleutherococcus. Okay. So of course, shortened to Eleuthero. The whole okay. name is Eleutherococcus centicosis. How's that for a mouthful? <laughs> How brilliant you are. No, I'm not brilliant at all. Anybody yes, can find are. that out. Yes, 
It's a botanical name that everybody in the world calls it, so it takes no brilliance at all to know Mm. that. So Eleutha Rose, another one, you know, wonderful one. Ginseng, many people like ginseng. Oh, many of the mushrooms, you know, reishi, shiitake, maitake. In fact, I would consider every mushroom to be an adaptogen. And you don't have to limit it to one. You can say, okay, I'm going to, like, take some shasandra tincture and I'm going to eat more mushrooms. Yeah, right. You said eat. What dosage of shasandra do you recommend? for? I've been taking a dropper full of shasandra berry tincture from the fresh berries tincture that I make myself on a daily basis to support my continued healing and um, my continued non-diminishment. My walking partner, Yvette, has been taking three dropperfuls a day. And she claims that it's the only thing that she's ever, ever found that helps her consistently lose weight. Whoa. Okay. She says it's not not like drop 10 pounds overnight. She says says maybe a pound a week, a pound every couple of weeks. But it's noticeable. She says she's weighs now less than she has in many years. Fabulous. Um, so I, you know, I don't have enough good stuff to say about Chisandra. It's really wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm in hand. Do you write more about it in in Seven Medicines or Seven? What is that one? I write that book? not very much about any of the specific adaptogens in Abundantly Well. Where you'll find more information is my video course about adaptogens, which oh, comes okay. with a couple of dozen monographs, including a monograph on Chisandra. And I oh. think that some or all of those monographs, although not the videos, are available to mentored students. And if you're a correspondence course student, remember this sailing correspondence course is coming up within the month. Correspondence course students get one year of mentorship free, which gives oh. them access to the mentor site and all kinds of goodies like that. Oh, okay. And where do we find more information about the correspondence course? You can find more information about correspondence courses at wisewomanschool.com. That's also where the adaptogen course is. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, w- one more thing. Um, would I, I started to w- I watched the video on Lyndon making the 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 infused um, tea, and I saw your kitchen um, with your pots all hanging up, and it looked so wonderful. Would you ever one night um, talk about your kitchen arrangements and uh, like that hanging pots and I think it probably needs a a visual with it, but I I don't know. Have you ever done anything like that? That, of course, is the kitchen of my daughter and son-in-law. She is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, cum laude, and he was a chef instructor at the Culinary Institute of America for over 30 years. So you can imagine, everybody, what their kitchen looks like. It is (laughs) the professional chef's kitchen. Oh, my gosh. You know, uh, big range with a griddle in the middle and lots of, you know, overhead books and bars and, you know, four of every kind of pan. Also, because they... Um, had a bed and breakfast for a great many years, not since COVID. They served breakfast for a great many people, so they needed six omelet pans. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. 
Right? So that's what you're seeing, right? You're seeing the kitchen. Oh, I saw it. Yeah. Because it's a big kitchen, it's easy to film it. It looks really good, right? They have nice style work, right? Here and there on YouTube, you can see my kitchens. I have a couple of kitchens. Oh, on on YouTube, uh, what? Even there uh, on YouTube, you'll see me in the kitchen. Yeah, and oh gosh, there's a. I think there's a a old video of me that shows me in my kitchen. Oh, nice. Oh, lovely. Okay, Um, thank you so much. And if you had time, would you say something about uh, coming into the winter? Because I know you said don't turn the heat on until a long time. You know, end of night. Just stay cold. Let's just okay. be cold. It's okay to be cold, right? This is uh-huh. one of the single best things you can do to be healthier in the wintertime is let yourself be cold. And, hey, we talk about spring tonics, and we're going from cold to hot, but, in fact, the switch from cold to hot is a lot easier for most people than the switch from hot to cold, isn't it? Yeah. So we need fall tonics even more than we need spring tonics. Oh, okay. And one a great fall tonic is goldenrod. And there's a whole article about goldenrod and how to use it as a fall tonic in this week's e-zine, which should be coming to your mailbox if you've signed up for the e-zine. Yeah, then you will get a notification of that easing tonight or tomorrow. Oh, thank you so much. So far as I know, and um, you can read all about using goldenrod as a tonic. It was called Liberty Tea during the Revolutionary Times because, of course, <laughs> the Boston Tea Party dumps the tea in the harbor, and they had to have some tea to drink, and goldenrod tea became their tea. In fact, it became so popular that they exported goldenrod tea to China. Okay. Thank you so much, Susan. God bless you. Thank you. Green blessings. Love you, Carol. Good night. Love you, too, so much. All right, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question or would like to speak live with Susan this evening, press 1, and we will see your hand be raised. Uh, We do still have the Skype caller. We're going to check in with you again. Are you with us on the Skype or international call? Hello, you are live with Susan. Hi, hi, Skype. I hear that open line. Yeah. Uh, All right. If if you're talking to us, we can't hear you. Alas, alas. That's right. I'll leave it open for just in case you chime in and there's a long delay. Um, in the meantime, um, we actually don't have um, an email question, but tonight's topics have just been so fascinating, and I can um, chime in on a couple things if you'll allow me. Please. I would love that. Okay, I love that you brought up the goldenrod because just um, last weekend I got together with a neighbor. That is one of my, uh, that is that is the herb that I have in my medicine cabinet for my all-around go-to. I mean, I have my echinacea, I have my yarrow, but 
If there's one herb I'm going to make preparations with and make sure that I do, it's the goldenrod. But last weekend was the first weekend that I enjoyed goldenrod as a tea. And that was very interesting. I can understand why it was a replacement for tea and why it was called Liberty Tea because it was definitely invigorating and enlivening. Um, And it's been really interesting to me since I've shared with a close friend of mine about my affinity for goldenrod. Um, How many people, when she's presented goldenrod, have accused goldenrod of being oh, I'm so allergic, I just can't tolerate goldenrod. And it's just such an interesting because ragweed, of course, not the goldenrod because it's not a wind pollinator. Um, But, yeah, I just love that you brought goldenrod up. And I made some – so, like I said, it's my all-around go-to. And I made one remedy that – well, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I've made tallow for the first time this year, and I did a tallow, and I added a little bit of honey to it. Because I was thinking maybe it would be a good wound remedy or a good sore muscle skin remedy. So we'll see. I didn't add enough honey for it to be sticky, but I did just put a touch of it in the tallow. Um, I don't know. felt like it was the right thing to That is a great question. And honestly, it was probably not just one golden rod. Um, there's a few. No, no, no. At no. The end of- I wasn't asking about, about the golden rod. I was asking if you used goldenrod with the tallow and the honey. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. It wasn't just tallow and honey. It was There was goldenrod, too. Oh, right. It was primarily goldenrod. I filled the all jar right. with the goldenrod. Then I added the tallow um, in liquid form, of course. But I also had heated the honey and liquefied that and mixed it in. And oh, put so that you heated the goldenrod in tallow, warmed tallow and warmed honey. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Did you did you keep them warm, like in a crock pot? Well, I kept them warm not for very long, but it was still warm here. So I put them in yep. a in the sun. And then put them in a box and put them in the sun so that the sun didn't, like, see the herbs, and the herbs didn't see the sun, but the warmth. Right, was, right. <laughs> yeah. But they were in the sun anyhow. <laughs> yeah. I forgot, and they stayed underneath the full moon one night, so we'll see how it turns out, but I'm excited wow. about that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes, I had some yeah. for a while that I was taking in and out, too, and, it, and the same thing. It's like, oops, <laughs> the one night that you don't get them in. Exactly. I was thankful it didn't rain. I tried to leave myself a visual cue, but even still, it's I. It was meant to be, obviously. And we do have another hand raised, so okay, good. Make sure we in there. Yes, from the five four one. From the five four one, you are live with Susan. Hello. Hi. Hi. Happy equinox. And happy equinox to you too. Um, I have a question. I'm uh, four months postpartum, and I'm wondering about mother wart and postpartum anxiety, and I'm curious if mother wart has an effect on um, breast milk supply. I've read that some of the mints decrease breast milk, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. 
I don't think that motherwort in the dose that you would use to deal with anxiety would decrease your breath, your milk supply. Okay. And the situations like- in which I have known mints, specifically sage is the one that I use, to decrease the milk supply require large amounts of the herb frequently. Yeah. Okay. And I don't think that's what you intend to do with some other words. I think you intend to take small amounts. Yeah, tincture form and droppers. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you could start with, with five drops. Yeah. And that's the thing, right, with mother words. See if that works. And if that doesn't, more, then take drops, yeah. right? Don't just assume yeah. you need a dropper full. Start with a few drops. It's right. really interesting. You know, one of my teachers always said, Less is more. You can always take more, so start with less. Right. And yes. I thought, why not? Yeah. Why not start with less since I can always make... It's not like we're... <laughs> I wouldn't do that in a situation in, in which hopefully I wouldn't be in where there was... Somebody might die if I didn't act quickly, right? Right, yeah. We're talking about anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Start small. I honestly, I stopped. If it doesn't work, it's it's okay. You can take a bigger dose until you figure out what your best dose is. Right. And I was taking it before I was pregnant, but I stopped taking it during pregnancy. Um. What do you think about? Did you stop eating parsley? (laughs) I actually kind of did. Okay. All right, because parsley is, you know, far more, uh, far stronger than a borosacient than any mint. Yeah. Yeah, I was so definitely you, you, aware. Do you have a history, a family history of miscarriage or? No. It was okay. definitely, I'm sure it was a little bit over neurotic. <laughs> yeah, um, probably. But that's okay. Yeah. You're back to it. It's all right, you know. It's just a little yeah. segue in your life there. Yeah. And who knows, you yeah. decide to be pregnant again, you might decide to take motherhood this time. Right. 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 It's all in the So, um, yeah, I think it's a good choice okay. for you. I think also around about this time, there is a change in your hormones mm-hmm. that makes you want and need time away from your infant mm-hmm. in most situations the grandmother would take care of the infant even if it was just for an hour yeah so that you did not have 24 hour a day responsibility yeah and I did have that last week for the first time where I got to go out <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Life-affirming, restorative. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you are still a woman. You are not merely a mother. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And how wonderful to be a mother. And how wonderful to be able to take care of your infant in that way. And how wonderful to know that it's not everything you are. And that's part of it too, is like, 
finding out who I am now, I think. Yes. Um, because it's just, uh, it's like nothing else I've ever experienced. Obviously, it's life transforming and, um, you know, you're talking about homesteading and like that responsibility. And I related to that with motherhood. It's like, you got to milk the goats. You got to milk yourself. Basically. You got to milk yourself. Exactly. <laughs> right. You don't say, Oh, I'll just do that tomorrow. Nope. Sorry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, he needs it and I need it too, you know? And right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole new experience. You find strengths you didn't know you had. Yeah, for sure. And you ask for help. And you ask for help. And you find weird. reservoirs of love you didn't know you had. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I will reacquaint myself with Mother Wart and start slowly. Maybe I will court her slowly <laughs> and work on perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Good blessings. Good night. Good night. All right. And I will remind everyone listening tonight, if you have a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand go up and open your line. At this time, I do not see any hands that are raised. Um, where would you like to go, Susan? Um, I can ask questions, or do you want to take a moment? Or what, what I definitely want to take a moment to acknowledge this interval, however short, of problem-free time. For this time right now, there are no problems, nothing has to be solved, nothing has to be changed, nothing has to be fixed. We can just be present. Mm. Mm. The lovely space. It really is, isn't it? It's such such a delicious gift to give ourselves to take that moment to say, ah, A couple questions, actually. Um, I wouldn't consider them problems. Uh, just okay, quick <laughs> questions <laughs> um, about some medicines that I've been making. Um, the first one is about actually Cassandra berry. Um, I do not have access to the fresh berry, so I've been using the dried. And the first time that I made the tincture, I actually filled the dried berries all the way to the top and then covered with 100 proof vodka 
and I let that one sit for a year. Um, and I know that you've sent, I've heard you since say that um, it's actually better to fill the jar a third full, I believe. Is that right? I'm really surprised your jar didn't break. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm shocked. Um, okay, maybe I didn't fill it like all the way to the top. I think I actually left Couldn't like, have. I think it We're was two thirds. That, right? And those berries are dry. Yeah. They're smaller. Yeah. And when you mm-hmm. put alcohol on them, they swell up. Right. So if you really fill the jar to the top and then pour vodka over them, you can break your jar if you put a tight lid on it. Because the yeah. force of those berries swelling up was strong enough to bust glass. Right. Yeah, I think so actually I don't now that I'm saying that loud, I to put less in your jar, I say, you're going to break your jar if you fill it too full. Right. I've okay. also seen people who corked their jar and then push the cork out of the jar, and then, like, the, the herb just, like, kind of fountained up out of the jar. Yeah, no, that didn't happen to me, so it must not have been completely full. So um, probably, like, yeah, like you say, more like half or maybe even two-thirds full. Okay. So is it is it, like, bad to do that? Does that, like, affect, does that, like, make it, I know you, you've said something about it, like, being more drug-like, um, and, like, can I still use that tincture as, like, a tonic? When did I say it was more drug-like? Uh, I, I can't tell you exactly when. Adapt, <laughs> when did I ever say that an adaptogen could be drug-like? Oh, maybe you were referring to a different herb, but um, specifically using the dried over the fresh. Yes. Okay, so that's not that's not something that you would have said. It's so out of context as to be absurd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So if I had like filled the jar more than a, a third full, then it would just be about, like, possibly breaking it. Are you that you have done something wrong? Kind of. <laughs> okay. I mean, well, what kind of tendency wonder... do you have to do to make up for doing this wrong thing where you didn't use the scientifically correct amount of herb? You know, it's my lifetime goal to restore herbal medicine as people's medicine. Mm -hmm. And that means don't worry about it. (laughs) We're not trying to make a standardized product that you're selling. Yeah. You're not trying to have the exact same dosage every time. Okay. You don't have to worry that people you don't know are going to be taking this, and you are going to be responsible for them. If this well, tincture is I do stronger than another Shasandra tincture that you make, then you will yeah. adjust your dosage, won't you? Okay. Because you're smart enough to do that. We're talking about home remedies here. We're talking about family remedies. We're talking about not being irresponsible, but not being publicly responsible. I'm all for public responsibility. I'm all for good manufacturing 
techniques and processes. And we got nothing against that. If we're selling to the public, we have responsibility to the public. I mentioned, I think it was last fall, we went out and we visited Seth at Catskill Comfrey. He makes these wonderful Comfrey Saths. And he showed us, you know, what he was doing, all the comfrey that he had. It was just glorious. And he cuts it, and he dries it, and he makes salve from this dried comfrey. And I said, my goodness, you know, why don't you just make comfrey from the fresh salve? He says, well, I can't do that. And I sell this salve to, you know, professionals. And it, I, I can't ever have a jar with mold in it. I can't ever have anything go wrong with it. And if I use the fresh comfrey, it will vary from time to time. I can't control it. So I have to dry it so that it's completely controllable. And as we were driving home, the apprentice and I, and I said, that's the difference between that kind of herbal medicine and what I'm promoting, which is people's medicine. We use mm-hmm. the fresh herb because it's better and because if there's a little mold on it, you don't lose the business. Your family is still going to come and ask for your ointment even if there's mold on it, right? Okay. So if your shisandra tincture is different this time than it is the next time, it's Okay. You haven't okay. done anything bad. You haven't done anything wrong. You are not using an herb that's rich in alkaloids that could kill you if you take the wrong dose. It's an adaptogen. It's a berry. It's kind of like saying, do you think I put too many strawberries in the ice cream? <laughs> okay. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I still have I have one more question. One, another Sorry. question, okay. Okay, so my other question is about my hypericum tincture and oil. Um, And I don't know if this was because I was moving and there could have been, like, fluctuations with the temperature or maybe I wasn't shaking the jar enough. But, yeah, my tincture is not red. And I'm pretty sure I heard you say that if it's not red, it's not medicinal. Is that right? Or so far as I know. Okay. So yeah. Is do you have any idea? So, like I have never had to shake mine for turn red. Okay. I can't even okay, imagine. This is just like variation. So are, ta- and... so are we talking just the oil, or the oil and the tincture? Um, I'm looking at the tincture, and it looks like gray. Like, it definitely does not look red. Red? I mean, oh, my gosh. Usually yeah. the turns red within five minutes. Yeah, yeah, usually that's the case for me, too. And so I'm, I, I believe I remember red. it this turning is red. This is flowering, flowers yeah. and flowering tops that you're using and 100-proof vodka? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow, and was it raining? Um... I don't think so. It definitely wasn't raining the day that I harvested. Very like, peculiar. And the oil yeah. is not red either. Um, it's not. That's a, it's that's a, quite that's a unusual. Like here, and sometimes people do shake that, although it's not strictly yeah. speaking needed. My oil certainly turns red without any interference on my part. Yeah, it's not. 
like, I don't know, it could pollen, but yeah, I see like, you know, it might even be mold, which I've never... Is it yeah, at the bottom of the jar? Before. If it's at the bottom of the jar, it's pollen. If it's mold, it's at okay. the top. Okay, then it's pollen. And pollen, yeah, yeah, same thing. Like, I'm looking at it and I can't say... Here, let me just open the jar. Is it pink? No. Um, is it the color I mean, of the olive okay, oil? Okay, the oil is like, yeah, maybe it's more olive oily or... It has like a slight tone to it, like probably more like greenish slash orange, but it's yeah, it's not like the yeah. red that I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. So it probably won't be an effective remedy. Okay. The oil, it smells, if the oil like the oil smells. Oil, if it isn't rancid, can be used as salad dressing or cooking oil. Okay. And how do you know if it's and the on tincture, the I'm not sure. Obvious. I would taste it and kind of. I've just. I've never seen a gray tincture, so I really. Don't yeah, like me neither. <laughs> they didn't all taste that way, but. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, it's great. Is this? Yeah. So without being there, uh, all I can do is second your. Hmm. What is this? Hmm. Okay. So I don't even know if you can reuse the vodka. The oil you can yeah. certainly reuse. Okay. And you say it's best to, like, either cook with it instead of put it on my body? You can put it on your body, probably. That'd be fine. Wouldn't be a problem. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all the questions that I had. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Good night. Is Monica with us? Um, I am not. Yes. Actually, just as you said that, there she is. Monica is with us. Monica Hershift is responsible for healing thousands of people who've been struggling with chronic mystery illness. Monica Hershift has established herself as a true trailblazer in the wellness space. Best-selling author, motivational speaker, Holistic health practitioner and nutritional consultant, Monica founded one of the top-rated wellness centers in L.A., recently relocated to Scottsdale, Arizona, where she works one-to-one with patients to get their health back. Welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh-huh. You wrote a best-selling <laughs> book called Treat the Source, Not the Symptom. That sounds like a yeah. good idea. I was just talking with a friend today about how effective modern medicine is, but uh, they always seem to be treating the symptom. Yes, it's all about squashing the symptoms with medication. So... You have a three-pillar system to get your health back. Is that true? Yes. And so what's interesting is that when you think about, for example, let's say a thyroid isn't working the way it's supposed to, and they would put it on a medication to squash those symptoms and make it behave the way it's supposed to. But they're not addressing why the thyroid is doing that. Nobody ever asks, why is my thyroid not doing what it's supposed to do? And so what we do in our office and what the three pillars to getting your health back are, it's connected to, first of all, nutrition. And that is all about eating the right foods to help your body heal properly and avoiding the foods that are going to interrupt your body's healing process or suppress your immune function. 
And then the second pillar would be toxins because that's the initial cause of immune suppression and causes inflammation and also interrupts organ function. And then the third pillar is we're basically looking at supplementation and getting the right clinical supplements for your body that is usually helped by seeing the right practitioner who can determine what your unique body needs. Wow. Three pillars of health. Did you create these three pillars because of your own personal experience? I did, in fact, yes. And that was how I got my health back after being sick for so many years. Did they all come to you at once, or was did you have to go through a lot of, you know, points of the maze that didn't get you to the exit? <laughs> well, it was sort of like going through a maze, like completely blindfolded. Um, I spent about 10 years trying everything under the sun, and in my case, um, I had been, I didn't really know much about holistic back then, so I'd been to every medical doctor, and eventually I found somebody who does the technique that I do now, which is called NRT, and this is part of what you learn when you become an NRT practitioner, and so uh, basically after trying everything and nothing working, and everyone telling me nothing was wrong with me and it was in my head, I was able to uncover through this technique that there was a problem with my gallbladder and I had a choline deficiency. And then through this technique, I was able to ultimately get my health back, and that's the same technique I use with all my patients today. So a chronic mystery illness is, I think, an illness that goes on, chronic. Yes. But that doesn't seem to have any particular physical cause, thus the mystery. So when you say you didn't know anything about alternatives and you went to regular doctors, you were tested and you had blood tests and you got scans and all of those things. That's, uh, that's right. That's exactly what I did. And nobody could find anything. So they decided you were a hysterical woman and it was all in your head. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how I was treated. And, it was and they prescribed, let's see, either anti-anxiety or antidepressive medications. Well, they tried to prescribe it. I wouldn't take that because I knew something oh, was wrong with me. And I, <laughs> yeah, they tried. <laughs> but yeah, it was really, it was really all about just complete invalidation uh, of what I was experiencing. And the symptoms weren't mild. It's not like, oh, I'm having malaise. It was pretty bad. I had the skin was coming off my face and bleeding. I had um, I couldn't eat solid food at all. Uh, I felt like I was getting stabbed every time I tried to eat food. I had uh, I wasn't even able to stand up long enough to take a shower. I'd have to go lay down. Uh, I couldn't drive. I couldn't work. I I couldn't sleep more than two to three hours a night. I had heart palpitations. It's not like oh I had a couple mild symptoms. I was really a mess. Wow. How frustrating for yeah. you the doctors couldn't find anything wrong. Did yeah, you at any point say, you. maybe it all is in my mind, maybe I'm just making this up? No. 
not once, because it was so strong, you know, it was so strong. And uh, what I did think is that I thought I was dying, and I thought I have some new illness that nobody's figured out, like Lou Gehrig, and they're going to name it after me after I die, because I just, it, there was no way that I wasn't sick. Like, there was no way that I believed that there was nothing wrong with me. But it was demoralizing to have no one else believe me, and that includes even my friends and family, because I couldn't get a diagnosis that nobody believed me. So I started hiding it. I started hiding it and pretending, you know, I would try to use coffee or I would try to do a coffee enema or I would try to, you know, like just have a window where I would have to be in a certain place or with a certain person where I knew that maybe I could last for an hour, you know, and uh, and I would just tell people I was very busy and I would just hide it. I just started lying because of the way I was getting treated. This sets up a real um, barrier to healing. And yeah. I think you talk about barriers yeah. to healing in your book. Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell, um, could you tell so, us more about that? It's it's a really important concept. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, so basically one of the things that we do learn in this technique, which is really so true of so many people that are stuck is that the nervous system, you know, you've got your sympathetic and your parasympathetic, which is your brakes and your gas for those of you out there that are interested to know the difference. <laughs> and basically, eventually, if, if the body gets too overwhelmed with what we call stressors like pathogens, like parasites or fungus, bacteria, virus, or toxins, chemical toxins, or heavy metals, even from the fillings in your teeth or from vaccines, you know, then what happens is, is if it goes on for too long and the body can't manage it, the nervous system becomes what we call switched. That's neurogenic switching, where the parasympathetic and the sympathetic reverse. So your brakes and gas get reversed. And how that feels to someone is like they're getting better, worse, better, worse, and it's just never sticking. It just goes up and down. And then when it keeps going on and not getting addressed, then eventually it turns into neurogenic blocking. And that's if you're pushing on the brakes and gas at the same time and you can't move, you're just stuck, you're just not getting any response or treatment and nothing's working and so it's important that those things get addressed because otherwise even if you're taking something specific like something to address bacteria um, your body won't respond properly if it's blocked or switched and that's why so many people have this stuck phenomenon of these blocks to healing that their body cannot actually respond to properly how on earth do you change that well, um, what we do at our office is we do the muscle testing technique um, in order to determine what's causing that. But one of the reasons I wrote the book is because a lot of times you can reverse that. It does take longer, but you can reverse it through nutrition and through making the right choices with your food and also by eliminating all of the toxins you get exposed to in your daily life because the day of an age that we're living in you know, especially in the United States, there's just so many tox toxins in everyday life and not just in your tap water, but even in the products we're using every day on our bodies and on our faces and in our hair and, you know, in our cleaning products and all of that kind of stuff. So it's really important to learn how to make those adjustments, you know, drinking out of plastic water bottles, heating things up in plastic, using the microwave and all of these things that we – EMF from cell phones and computers. And so when you can make those changes and adjust 
how much you're being exposed to, the body starts to kick in and start working properly again if you're addressing what's causing the blocking and switching. I've actually found that if you bring people into a situation where they're not being exposed to devices, to EMFs, and where they're eating good food, and that means cooked food, and drinking nourishing herbal infusions rather than fruit drinks and things like that, that they will, that that uh, switching um, to the way of healing can happen within five or six days. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the person's body, but it's amazing how fast the body can reverse. The the nourishing uh, herbal infusions seem to really... Um, make that process happen a lot faster because they are so loaded with minerals. And basically what those minerals do is they replace anything that the body doesn't need. Mm -hmm. So we don't even really need to know um, what it is that we need more of or less of because our body can make those decisions for itself when it gets minerals from plants rather than than from pills. Mm-hmm. I'm, well, so, yeah. I'm so excited by the work you're doing. You just moved from Los Angeles to Phoenix. That's an interesting move. What moved you? Oh, you I'm not sorry. Scottsdale, to... not Phoenix. Scottsdale. Yeah, same thing, same thing. Scottsdale, Phoenix, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, well, to tell you the truth, um, I when and when COVID hit in Los Angeles, um, and the vaccine mandate came down, I could no longer go to my office and do my job because we weren't allowed in public buildings without a vaccination, and I didn't want to be forced to get a vaccination that I didn't agree with, and uh, so I was pretty much forced out. <laughs> So um, that's why I moved to Arizona, because um, they have more freedom of choice here. And I was able to do my job and, you know, be able to be free to do my work and not be told that I'm not allowed in my own office. All right. (laughs) You You gave me an interesting question to ask you, which I really pondered about. And I thought, well, if somebody asked me this, what would I say? What are some examples of a diagnosis that is not really a diagnosis? And I think my answer would be anything followed by itis. (laughs) That's a good answer. I like that. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it, like you brought up before about antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, so many people get misdiagnosed with depression or anxiety when it's actually candida or mineral malabsorption or heavy metal toxins or bacteria or a parasite or a combination of all of the above or hormone imbalance. You know, all of these things can cause symptoms that feel like depression or anxiety. And instead of going to the root cause, they just put them on this medication. And what goes along with that is chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, any kind of a blanket diagnosis, even a lot of the gut conditions or general autoimmune. They just sort of stick a label on it to describe the symptoms. I mean, think about arthritis. The definition of arthritis is inflammation in your bones. Okay, what's causing that, (laughs) you know? So it's really just about all these general, uh, and arthritis is another one of those itises like you were talking about. Um, But it's really just, you know, having a general um, diagnosis that just describes a set of symptoms but doesn't really give you any answers. 
Right. You go to the doctor and you say, my bones ache. And the doctor says, ah, you have arthritis, which means your bones ache. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, hi, I already just told you that. That's not really. And not only that, of course, most diagnoses seem to imply that everyone who gets a diagnosis is the same. Which I'm sure you can tell yeah. us because of the way you work one-on-one with people, but that's simply not true. I'm sure that you see a really large amount of uniqueness in people. Yes, and that's the thing. Two people with the same symptoms do not necessarily have the same underlying reasons for those symptoms. So it's really important to understand that each person's body is unique like a snowflake, and it's important to look at what's underneath that issue and that's causing the imbalance symptom is. Right. So we do a very good job of creating drugs for illnesses, but people yes. aren't illnesses. Right. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, this is a big problem, especially in the, you know, because with the antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, they're not even just being prescribed by the psychology community anymore. They're actually just being prescribed by regular medical doctors to address symptoms. And even for stomach pain, they'll put you on an antidepressant, you know. Um, and, and, you know, it's just being over-prescribed similarly to how antibiotics have been over-prescribed and pain meds have been over-prescribed. They're just sticking a Band-Aid on it and, you know, good luck to you. <laughs> That's it. What did it take? for you not to be willing to have a Band-Aid stuck in your problem. You see, this, to me, is part of why that happens. I mean, yes. you, are an, you are really an extraordinary person who refused oh. to be put down. You refused to be gaslighted. You refused to say, oh, there must be something wrong with me. Since you can't find anything wrong with me, then there must be something wrong with me that there isn't anything wrong with me. I mean, that isn't that a really interesting loop that they want you to run around. But, yeah, I mean, I think but, we're trained. You're what? You're 1% of the population. You know that's why you're a motivational <laughs> speaker, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like we're just culturally trained to do whatever the people in the white coat say to do. And it's, and it's not having your own critical thinking. And um, I guess I just grew up in a family where, you know, my father's a pretty well-known animal rights activist, and he was, he was really involved in the 70s and kind of starting that whole movement. And uh, because he was like, I don't like the way they're doing the factory farming. I don't agree with that. And he just stood up and did something about it. And I guess I've just always sort of been in an environment where I was taught to question anything that didn't make sense to me, you know? And I'm, I'm grateful for that because I think it, being a critical thinker is, is a survival uh, tool in this day and age, really. I absolutely agree. You also talk about something that I found quite interesting, and I'd like to learn more about the five layers to illness. Yes. Uh, So this is basically what we have found over the years from working with so many people's bodies and through how all of the testing works, that there's five layers that the body goes through in order for you to start experiencing symptoms. And the reason so many people are experiencing mystery illness nowadays and they're not at a point where they can get a diagnosis is because they're just simply feeling the symptoms sooner on those five layers to illness than we used to 20 years ago. So 20 years ago, you get symptoms, and it shows up in your lab. 
but now we're just feeling them sooner. So the first layer to illness, the first layer that causes inflammation, and this could even be when someone's a baby, they can get it from in utero from their mother, they can get it from vaccinations, but it's basically toxicity. And that toxicity is what causes the initial inflammation that starts the journey, and then that helps to start the immune suppression. When that goes unaddressed for too long, and it's sort of like pouring water or any liquid into a colander too fast, it starts to overflow because it can't drain out as fast as you're pouring it in. That's how that first layer happens because the body's drainage organs can't accommodate how much toxicity the body's being exposed to. So then the next layer that comes up, once you get to that point where the toxicity has built up so much, then you're basically, you're looking at um, that immune suppression is now interrupting the body's ability to make the digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid that it needs. And so then digestion gets compromised, you're not using your nutrients properly, and then you start to move into it, the allergy layer when the immune system is suppressed, causing an inflamed immune response, which is the definition of an allergy. So environmental allergies, food allergies, food sensitivities, you start becoming allergic to things. And a lot of people don't realize it's not always what you think. It's not always sneezing or, you know, typical allergy could be just getting tired after you eat. There's so many different signs of these allergies. And then the fourth layer is when your body can't fight off the pathogens because we're all mammals, you're all getting exposed to buggies, and your body's built to fight them off. But at layer four, your body, your bouncer's on a coffee break, it can't fight them off, they're out the door, and so basically they are inside having a party in your body. And then the fifth and final layer is when you finally can get a diagnosis and they can actually go, oh, you have this or that, you know, you have SIBO, you have PCOS, whatever it is. And so that's when you're getting a diagnosis. And But you can have those symptoms on layer two or layer three way before it shows up in lab. And that's, I would guess, why there are many more women with chronic mystery illnesses than men. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, we're more yeah. willing to pay attention to that. I know um, I got a very clear message from my body that something was up, and when I sought a, a diagnosis, I was put off because I didn't have symptoms. Oh, interesting. They didn't even want to test me because I didn't have symptoms yet. And I said, I don't want to wait until I have symptoms. Wow. Well, yeah, it's all about being a critical thinker, like we said, and, you know, right. and just sticking by your truth and saying, look, something's wrong. And how well many women have come to be able to know themselves. I remember when I was writing the menopause book, and one of the ways I write my books is that I listen to a lot of women, and these women were telling me about being sore yeah. all over, and that's what I called it in the first edition was sore all over. And by the second edition, it had a name, fibromyalgia. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do think that, you know, if you look at not just the fact that women carry the babies and how much you're exposed to in the medical community as a pregnant woman being put on synthetic supplementation, whether you need it or not, which causes deficiencies, um, all of the things they make you do to prepare for the baby, and then 
you're also dealing with like a lot of women nowadays are getting injected with vaccinations in utero while they're pregnant. It's just crazy. And I also feel like when you look at even, okay, we're the ones who have periods. Well, if you look at conventional tampons and pads, they're full of chemicals that are going right up there, going right into the bloodstream. Um, and not just the chlorine that they have in the traditional uh, products, but also there's other chemicals in there that make you bleed more. And then we're the ones that are having to be on the birth control pills or have the IUD that's toxic. And then that's throwing off synthetic hormones. And it's, you know, so really women really do get exposed to a lot more things that are going to knock us off in terms of immune suppression. I had never put all of those things together. That's so true, though, isn't it? Yeah. And that it, yeah. It's, it's, for many people, it's not this one big thing that's happening, but a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, and it's cumulative. Everything's cumulative. And that's certainly when I was working on the, the breast health book, um, was this a thing that was kind of appalling to me was that uh, they might say, well, this chemical is, you know, generally regarded as safe, and this chemical is generally regarded as safe, but nobody has done um, any studies on, and if you put these two chemicals together, are they still safe? Right, exactly. Yeah, and we just have a tendency to say, oh, it wouldn't be on the market if it wasn't bad, you know, if it was bad for you, they wouldn't be approving it. That's just simply not true. Simply not. Uh, I only wish that there was any agency that would make that true, but there's not. And especially not when it comes, as you say, to self-care products, home care products, laundry products, all all of those things bear looking into if you haven't thought about them. Yeah, and even in the women's health department, too. Soap nuts. Have you seen this? I have, yes. <laughs> yeah, what's fun? <laughs> it was yeah, they're, they're really fun. It was a wonderful present to get. So this is a, a natural kind of soapy herb that's in a little cloth bag, and you toss it in with your laundry, and you can use it four or five times, and then the whole thing just falls apart. The bag falls apart. <laughs> the nuts fall apart. You have to pick the pieces of nut out. It's okay, though, really. It's not, like, really messy. They're, like, big hunks of stuff. And um, it... it <laughs> Just delightful. I really loved the soap nuts. <laughs> oh, so fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All those synthetic dyes and smells. Oh, yuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, Terrible. Yeah, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. I could uh, talk to you for a long time, Monica. You're quite fascinating. Oh, thank you. You're so welcome. Um, so I want to ask you if there's anything that you want to talk about that I haven't asked you, maybe a new project or perhaps you want to tell people how to get in touch with you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, we do have a free immune repair food list with do's and don'ts that you can get um, either on the website or you can go directly to monicahershaf.com slash food. And you can download that for free and um, start applying it if you want to look into what we use with our patients. And I also do have a digital program coming up that is a health reboot for anyone who lives anywhere, where basically it's going to be 12 weeks, um, and uh, we're going to do weekly walkthroughs with food logs, feedback, and um, action steps to take every week. 
to all these things we're talking about to help you eliminate the toxins in your daily life and get your food on track and ask any questions and all of that. So that's going to be starting on October 19th, and uh, that'll be available on the website as well. All right. Lots of great opportunities coming up for people. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I am so glad that you are offering your expertise and your services to other women. I think that one of the strongest things that most of us feel when we come through a situation in which the medical establishment is not helping us the way we think it should is that we then really want to reach out to others and to make sure that that other women uh, feel heard at the very, very least. Yeah. That that there's someone there who says, I I hear you, you're not making it up. I I might not be able to, to tell you what's happening either, but I can tell you what I did that helped. And that's exactly what you're doing, Monica Hershaft. You're telling us what you. you did that helped, and we thank you for sharing that with us. It's so important oh, my always pleasure. that we do that. Yeah, and I just think it's important nobody feel alone, and we need to feel supported in community. And thank you then for providing that community to women who are looking mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely. Mm-hmm. So important. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, what's going on, you're um, reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And I want to thank you for the beautiful thread that you have added to this reweaving and to ask you to feel that healing cloak drop around your shoulders. It both comes as a healing for you and it also is there to signify that you are a healer and that you can spread this healing cloak of others. Oh, I love that. So beautiful. I am restoring herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And if you're not familiar with nourishing herbal infusions, I encourage you to use this evening's talk as a way to get yourself into thinking about and using the nourishing herbal infusions. You will be amazed at how much more quickly people respond to what you're doing. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thank you all out there. Green blessings are right outside your door. Good night. See you next week. Good night.